This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Welcome to the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. My name is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Lendit Fintech, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Todd Anderson. How are you doing, Todd? I'm good, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And back for, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh time, we have uh, Kat Utech from Core Innovation Capital. How are you doing, Kat? Doing well, especially these days. Things are having me on again. This is going to be the most exciting one. Yes. Yeah. Yes, wasn't it? Was it Confucius or someone who said, may you live in interesting times? Um, <laughs> interesting times is what we are living in right now. And let's get right into it because, you know, we have the big story, obviously, is the the hit that uh, the, the crypto markets are, are going through right now. And really, it seems to have been kind of uh, precipitated by the um, Terra stablecoin Terra USD, uh, it's down 99.9% uh, in the last week. And, um, and, so, and then Luna, the stablecoin that was sort of paired with this, is also down dramatically. It used to be, um, you know, I looked at Luna, it's now ranked to number 258 in coin market cap. And it used to be, I think it was top 20, certainly top 25, not that long ago. And uh, and it's just taken down the whole crypto um, um, landscape. I mean, it just really seems to have, um, I mean, really seems to have impacted everything. And some people say it's even contributing to the downward spiral in stocks. So thoughts, uh, guys? Yeah, um, I think um, on a plus note, there are still some good news in crypto, but I think <laughs> there were, there needed to be, I mean, as people have said for a while, there needs to be a correction. And I think you'll end up seeing a bunch of the good companies and there are still really great companies. I know we'll talk about like Chainalysis Rays and some of the other mm-hmm. ones. Um, there were others, you know, that people have been, there have been rumors for a while, what's really behind them. And I think one of the hardest things in crypto, especially like there's very few people that are economic philosophers or or, or mathematicians and that really know what's behind these coins. Right. Um, and with all the flood of, of, of great talent, right? A lot of great talent in the crypto markets, there's going to be uh, some projects and some companies that don't work out and that aren't built on good technology. Um, so I think we'll see some of those get taken out. Hopefully there's not too much collateral damage on, on other types of startups. But I'm hoping that it gets kind of the tourist investors, uh, you know, kind of out and, and gets more serious ones in and the good companies get funded. And there's not like all this froth with companies that probably shouldn't be funded. Right. right. Uh, the thing I wonder is, does it have a knock on effect for any of the other aspects of of what's going on in crypto related to regulators or legislators like does something like this not necessarily slow down because i think we all are probably in agreement that we're on a path to some regulatory clarity Mm -hmm. eventually but does this then give pause or or have them change course in some way and make it more restrictive or, or make it harder for some companies and, and raise the bar that maybe if this doesn't play out the way it's currently playing out, 
the bar is maybe set here versus like set way up here to, in order to uh, be a market participant in, in whatever uh, area of the ecosystem that you play in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Matt Levine has been writing about this extensively. He had another great column today that I was reading over lunch, and uh, yeah, Matt Levine from Bloomberg. And basically, uh, he's you know he he basically made the argument that you know that these are uh, these are things that just people believe in, and that's the only reason they have value is people believe in them, which is true for many assets, right? It's 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 certainly not unique. How many it, years but... have we talked about baseball cards or yeah. the memorabilia market on, you know, the, the famous, what was it, Brady, the $500,000 football, right? thinking it was his last game. <laughs> I mean, you know, inherent value has always been there for things if someone wants to pay for it. Right. Yeah. Beanie Babies, Pokemon cards, and you don't know what's going to go up and, and what's going to go down. So you have to realize what you're doing and if you want to be a speculator or not in this kind of market. Yeah. So there are, there, there are real companies. And to your point about the regulation, I mean, we need more clarity. And I think we've all talked about this for a while. I think they still have, right, right the regulators are still understaffed. And while they do want to regulate this, I don't think they have the right people, the right education. Um, and I think it's going to take years more. Unfortunately, I think you're right that they are going to do some things and maybe enforce some things that they wouldn't have uh, if there wasn't such a crash and so many regular consumers just didn't get hurt. Uh, and I think overall, if they start doing that, what I worry is that the best companies and some are already not building in the U.S. will go abroad. Yep. So hopefully like they don't they don't go a bit too far. Well, that's oftentimes the way with regulators, right? They they re overreact. Um, that's usually mm -hmm. what happens. But speaking of which, our second story here was, uh, you know, Janet Yellen was uh, appeared before the Senate Banking Committee this week and, you know, was asked about what's been happening in, in crypto. And she says, yes, we need stablecoin regulation and we need it quickly. She said, she actually said by the end of the year, she would like to see uh, stablecoin regulation in place. The, the Treasury uh, is um, releasing a report soon on crypto and stablecoins. Now, remains to be seen whether the whether Congress can get together and agree on on uh, on stablecoin regulation. That's often a, often a, agreeing on anything is kind of hard a lot of times. But <laughs> but you know, I think this is as you say, it's it's going to precipitate um, some kind of change. Whether it's we just hope that it's not uh, an overreaction. Couldn't come at a worse time for the crypto market. Like, you know, for a while there, it's like, you know, they, they had these little Twitter spats with whatever CEO and, and the uh, the regulators. And, it, you know, that kind of makes for fun fodder. But overall, the crypto market, I think, has by and large been very much asking the regulators, like, come talk to us, give us clarity. Hey, we're happy to show you how things work and how our business runs. And then it's like, as soon as they put out the Biden executive order, a few months later, it's like crashing off a cliff. And it's like, timing is everything sometimes. I think. Fortunately, yeah. the regulators don't move that quickly. So who yeah. knows if it'll be this year and then maybe the market will be back up again. You know, it most likely up. will be. Right. <laughs> right. And I'll say that. I, was, I, yeah. I, yeah. I hope they're not regulating for, for cycles. Let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So uh, keeping with the bad news on uh, for crypto, we had Coinbase. Um, you know, this, I, I remember this when it came out, it was, I think it was in March, the SEC basically said that, you know, the, all the assets that, that Coinbase holds, um, you know, for their customers needs to be booked as a liability on their balance sheet. And that's what they've gone and done. Um, and, uh, and with that, they, they had to put in a disclosure in their latest quarterly filing saying that in the event of a bankruptcy, that is just a liability on the balance sheet, like all other liabilities could become 
you know, you know it may not be the customer's money. Now they, of course, the Brian Armstrong said there's no chance of a Coinbase bankruptcy, which is stupid to say because mm-hmm. there's, there's a chance of a you know, there's a chance of an Apple bankruptcy. It's not zero. Um, it's just you know unlikely. But um, you know the, the reality is, I mean, Coinbase is down. Like it was eighty percent in the last. I think it was either in the last month or it might be year to date. But I looked on. The, I looked at their stats today. PE ratio because Coinbase makes money. They 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 lost money in the last quarter, but they make they made a boatload of money last year. Their PE ratio right now is five point one four. That is, I've never seen a PE ratio um, that low for a tech company. And uh, I think I sold my last my previous company, a private company, for a higher multiple than that. So anyway, it's a it's a, it's so, so crazy. Are you buying Peter? <laughs> yeah, they're still worth like I think eleven billion or something, a little bit out of my price range, cat. <laughs> Anyway, thoughts on Coinbase? You know, you got to give the guy, Brian Armstrong, a lot of respect for building it so big and something from nothing. And he's probably taking a lot of flack given just the markets in general. Again, this is a long-term game. So short-term hit, right? They're, they're, I think, doubling down on the crypto market and Web3. Uh, I know some people are critiquing that. But you have to believe that, like he's he's grown it this big, um, and that he knows maybe what might be best for it. So time will tell. But I think I think it's you know I think he's worth betting on. And there's nothing that he's done before that you're like, okay, this you know let's let's bet against him. So I'm I'm hopeful that they'll rebound. Mm-hmm. It was the same guy that also came out with the the letter saying that you know essentially when you're at work, you know the, you the mission is the Coinbase mission. And we need to stick to that mission, which got him a lot of flack. And then it, there was a slow turnaround. And all of a sudden, people were like, wow, maybe we should have taken a, mm-hmm. a similar stance, you know, i.e. Apple and the lawsuits that they're constantly going through. But right. um, I'd say, you know, for short term pain, you know, I still wouldn't bet against him long term. Yep. Yep. Agreed. OK, so moving on, um, let's talk about Tiger Global. They were in the news this week. Yeah, they have Tiger. Tiger have been one of the top uh, investors in in tech and fintech as, as well for many many years, and apparently they have um, had a. I presume it's just a book loss of seventeen billion dollars year to date. Now that's that's hard to do, but uh, they've raised. Get this: two thirds of their gains since two thousand and one have been raised this year, um, but they still like they just closed their fourteenth fund in March raised $12.7 billion for that fund. So, I mean, there's, there's, they've got money. Um, and, you know, like some of the statute is crazy. They added, I don't know what the total is, but they, in, in, uh, in 2021, they added 118 unicorns to their, in their portfolio. So, I mean, it's a little bit bigger than core innovation, I think, Kat, but what are your thoughts on Tiger? <laughs> Just a bit. I'm going to say, here's some other guys I would not bet against. Uh, the guys at Tiger, um, they lost more money than I think, you know, uh, probably 95% of venture funds altogether will, will never make. And they still have made, even losing that money, more than 95% of venture funds will probably ever make. So, um, you know, I, I still see them active in market. We've seen them, I think we talked about this, them going kind of looking, you know, even earlier stage. They have enough, you know, cash to do 
earlier stage deals and they have enough cash to like double down when those companies are doing well. Um, all my experiences, like these guys are, have a ton of money, but they're also the, some of the most responsive investors. When you send them something, they look at it, they get to it. I don't know. They, these are other ones I, I would not bet against. And, you know, they're just, the whole market's getting hit across a lot of different categories. So it's hard not to take that hit, but, um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm thinking this is going to be temporary and I, I would not, I do not feel bad for the guys at Tiger. They will be okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they're the type of firm that takes the, the outsized swing mm -hmm. more than anybody else does. So when things go bad, they're going to be the ones that take a bigger hit mm -hmm. yet. They're the ones that have the biggest wins at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, and so it's, yeah, I mean, you heard this a lot the last couple of years, how many rounds Tiger was involved in of the earlier or of the, the type where they kind of just came in over the top and said, all right, we're, you know, here's your valuation, here's your money and, and move on. And um, I think they're feeling some of the pain from that. But uh, like Kat said, I don't think it's going to change much uh, of what they do. Maybe they you know don't make as many outsized bets this year, but long term i don't think it's going to change that much yeah it remind, reminds me of the dot-com crash where you know like the, the googles and amazons kind of came out of that where you know some of the largest companies on the planet now and yeah but but pets.com didn't make it and many other companies didn't make it so there'll be a culling of the herd and i think uh in crypto and in fintech and uh yeah, i mean sure. in some ways some of this is good yeah it is i mean it's painful and going through it especially for companies that you know probably get hurt as collateral damage and probably don't deserve it uh, yeah. in some ways. But uh, in the end, you know, it's the strongest, best run companies with the best boards, best investors and best executives are going to 99% of the time win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think there's going to be a little bit more collateral damage in that, but the good, like, I, I feel awful for a lot of these employees that were at these companies and like have really counting their money in their head, which is why you shouldn't do that until it's actually in the in the bank. Right. Um, but I do think, though, there's still so many great companies being built that, you know, when these layoffs happen, which to for an individual team member, I, I could imagine would be brutal, especially when it comes from nowhere. Um that there's so many other great jobs and so many, you know, I know so many of our portfolio companies are hiring, you know, there's so many people hiring the market that I do think like, again, it'd be painful if you were somewhere for years and now your stock's like barely worth anything. Your RSUs are underwater, right? Like all of that is, is, is not great, but they can get other jobs. I think there's still so much innovation happening. There's going to be a lot of great companies that come out the next decade. So it's, you know, going to be a swift transition for people, but at least it's not like, I don't think when people get laid off, they're not going to easily fall into something else. Right. And I think the, the community has been really good about rallying around the people that are laid off and making sure they get into good places. Yep. yep. I mean, just look how early we still are in Web3 yep. and how early we still are coming out of COVID and kind of the next fintech wave. I mean, there's a lot of talent and places for people to go. In the moment, it's, it's hard. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I agree that, you know, there's, there's a lot um, still for them to to latch on to in the market that hopefully they can rebound pretty quickly. Okay, so let's let's move on to a good news story. Um, and it was interesting. Chainalysis, who you, you you touched on Kat earlier, they uh they they announced um, a new funding round, 170 million at an 8.6 billion dollar valuation. Interesting, they decided to go with it anyway. Like this week, it was I think it was announced yesterday. It might have been 
Tuesday, but it was this week anyway. Um, and, you know, that was, I think, yeah, good for them. It's good to have a, a – and they're, they're a picks and shovels type of company. They are not – they don't really depend on, on you know, very much on the price of crypto because they, you know, they, they, they said they monitor $1 trillion in crypto transactions a month. That's, that's really impressive. I see – I hear them all the time. Like you hear them with you know in with stuff that's going on with Ukraine and Russia, you you know you, I I just hear them around whenever there's a, whenever there's some sleuthing to do about where transactions came from. Chainalysis seems to be involved. You know, they they have uh, seven hundred people now. They got a presence in seventy countries. There they they seem to be crushing it. Shameless plug: They are a sponsor of uh, Lendits as well, especially in the, our LATAM uh, event. But yeah. yeah, I mean this is the type of of um, you know, crypto associated firm um, that um, is obviously benefiting from a lot of the stuff going on in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've always performed kind of somewhat under the radar. I think of the under the radar part is gone now with this raise, but um, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of quality people over there. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Let's talk about the CFPB. This is an article in American Banker this week. Um, you know, basically, uh, Director Chopra's expansive vision for CFPB authority is facing industry pushback, and he does have an expansive vision. And um, you know, they've—he's already taken on a few companies, and companies are not just taking this lying down now. I mean, they like he's. Um, you know, he's basically announced a whole bunch of enforcement actions, and people, companies are saying. You know, I'm not going to pay this fine. I'm going to sue instead. And so, you know, the the banking industry there was an op-ed in the American Bankers Association, the American Banker from the head of the American Bankers Association, or one of the not the head, one of the executives there, um, basically claiming that CFPB is overstepping its authority. CFPB has always been a controversial agency since its founding, out of uh, you know, out of the financial crisis and Dodd Frank. But um, you know, I, like they certainly are not making any friends in banking or in fintech. We are on the same team. It feels like when we're talking with uh, the CFPB there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they've been controversial for day one. Like, should they exist? You know, should they have the authority? They do. Um, it's interesting to watch them go after individuals uh, now and not just the companies and have people go personally responsible, which I think they said they put for some CEOs. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, there has to be checks and balances in all regulation. I understand why the CFPB exists um, and, and it's a lot, you know, overarching to protect consumers, but you do have to make sure that they don't overstep because they can stand in the way of innovation. And not all of this is, um, especially as we're building stuff, it's, it's not all perfect. And I think people are genuinely trying to uh, help consumers. And if, you know, fintech is really sad that it has gotten a bad rap lately, because I think if all these fintechs didn't exist, you know, uh, a lot of poor people would be even poorer. And it was very expensive to be poor. It still is. I think it's gotten a bit better. And if you have, right, like 1% of bad actors, fine, but like to drag the other 99% down when they have so much more advancements, right? Now people have options that were underbanked or like really paid high fees. Think about what like Dave and Chime and Bridget yep. did to like really get rid of like all the overdraft fees. So I, you know, it, it would be nice to see them take a more balanced approach of, okay, people need to try things and they're not like out to get the consumer. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they strike that, that approach you know, balance, but it doesn't seem like it right now. Man. It seems like they always have the 
response of there was like this ill intent behind something Mm -hmm. versus, you know, when you're building and innovating, things are going to break accidentally or or there's a a result of something that you didn't foresee three or four steps down the line. And the CFPB has always been more on the side of, well, you must have intended that from the start Mm -hmm. to make more money or to deceive someone. Uh, I just don't, uh, in some of it, I don't get it. I just don't know how that benefits them long-term either. It's like they keep on putting themselves in the fire for what could be um, seen as like these silly mistakes. And they, a lot of it seems to end up being in the end political to get in front of the cameras and, and make it seem as if they're doing all these things. When in reality, it's, you know, this, this game that they're playing. Right, right. And it's a game with massive consequences. And that's, yeah. uh, that is the, that's the problem. So anyway, moving on, I, this, um, this article caught my attention in Forbes this week. It was, I hadn't really thought about this too much, but it's talking about high, high interest rates. The, the, the title is how high interest rates may upend the fintech business model. And um, basically the, the, the premise is that, you know, digital banks have been around when you know, interest rates are basically zero. You didn't need, didn't need to pay anything for deposits, although some fintechs have from the get-go. And, you know, account switching, we've never had a, a high interest rate environment where account switching is so easy. You'll be able to go and just move your money from one digital bank to another digital bank uh, in just a matter of seconds or minutes. And, um, you know, you, are we going to see a, play, a, a time where, like, the, the bank, people go to bank rate and the, the, top, the top three hits on bank rate just continually get um, more and more revenue, or more and more, um, you know, deposits coming their way. And uh, it's just an interesting thing to think about. This, this, this article claimed that traditional banks now have, uh, can, you know, have a similar user experience and they have a long history of trying to, of, of attracting deposits in all sorts of different types of environments. And uh, whereas fintechs have really not, not been around um, trying to attract deposits in a rising interest rate environment. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, now with all those, you know, account switching companies and we're biased, we're invested in one that we love. That's one of the reasons we did. So you could easily switch accounts and you're not stuck. But I think it's just like how some people love points and maximizing their credit card points and every type of like flight point. Peter. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) I mean, some people love that and other people are like, oh, I don't want to be bothered. If your bank account is at the same place for like a decade. I don't know if you're going to switch for like going from 2% to 3%. And I don't, I'll be surprised if the interest rates and we'll, we'll see what happens, but in the banks hit like three or 4%. And if you look even at the traditional banks now, even though they raise the fed raise the rates, you don't see the interest rates really rising, um, you know, in the banks. And I think you would see that if they were really like hemorrhaging lots of customers. Um, so I think the people that are going to be at the traditional ones, great. And the ones that are at the FinTech will, 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 you know, we'll stay there. And I, I can't see it becoming like in the eighties. Remember when you could do a CD and get paid like 15 or 20%. Right. Well, you could do like savings bonds and you get paid like 14 and a half percent government backed. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we can get to that point because we have too much debt as a country. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see though, if, if it does a affect, um, affect FinTechs. Mm-hmm. Probably affects the earlier stage companies starting now more than it does some of the companies that have been around for a while. Yeah. But the question is, do we really need another neobank? 
No. <laughs> Do we have enough? I mean, I guess if you want one that uh, caters to people who love sneakers, yeah. one of those. I mean, there's all kinds of affinity groups that I guess we haven't thought of yet. You could, you know, general partners of VC firms, you could sort of trade in your bank just for that. Uh, SVB, First Republic, they already have it covered. That exists. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, all, right, all right. What's next? Yeah. Well, uh, but like the thing is, I think, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, to, to create a new digital bank from scratch unless there is some, you've got some sort of hook these days. Cause there's, there's so, like Chime has a huge penetration, Vero, Dave, these, these are now established companies with you know, millions in Chime's case, like tens of millions of, mm-hmm. of customers. And that's a, that's a hard, hard place to, to go compete against. So anyway, um, moving on. We, we don't normally cover um, executive moves, but this one is really interesting. This is someone we know well, and he's a very high-profile person. Um, Terry Angelos, he's, uh, he, used to, he was head of crypto and fintech. Um, he used to be just head of fintech, and they added head of crypto and fintech, I think, last year. Um, and anyway, he, um, you know, he's spoken at, event, at, at multiple events many times, and he has left Visa. Um, it seems to be in an amicable way. Um, and he is going to be the CEO of Drive Wealth. Uh, Bob Courtright, who I had on the podcast just a few months ago, is taking is he's, he's, he's stepping back from big CEO, and he's going to going to be chairman. Um, and Terry Angelos is coming in to uh, be CEO. And but he I know will. You've been, you've been in conversations with Visa. What's uh... <laughs> and he will be speaking uh, at the event uh, in two weeks as well on uh, why every bank needs a crypto strategy with the CEO of Silvergate Bank. Um, so, I mean, we, we know Terry well. He does a, a great job. I think it was a surprise to see him move, considering how long he's been at Visa. It feels like he's been a staple there. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see where Drive Wealth goes uh, from here. Yep. Congrats, Terry. Yep. Okay. So this just came out just before we went on air, and I, I like, I'm... I, I'm putting it in here. We haven't had a chance to really read into it, but SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, um, the founder of FTX, multi-billionaire guy. Apparently, he has been he has been gobbling up shares. He had to do a regulatory filing. I pro- you probably did it on, t- on time, unlike Elon Musk, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, he now um, he now owns 7.6% of Robinhood. And um, and of course, in after hours trading, Robinhood's uh, shares are popping. Of course, they've they've been in the doldrums pretty much since the IPO, but um, certainly in the last uh, last you know, month, they've been hit hard. So, you know, SBF is um, obviously likes likes Robinhood, I guess. Everything touch everything SBF touches these days is apparently gold. So, except um, I heard his wealth now is down like fifty percent. He's still okay. Like again, I'm not too worried about him either. Yeah. But uh, just from <laughs> just from a lot of the crypto crashes, I heard it's about down about fifty percent. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. It would be interesting to see though if someone comes and, and swoops up Robinhood or any of these other companies that are so you know inexpensive. Uh, you know, compared to to what they were and maybe what they should be and what their fundamentals are. Um, so it'd be it'd be super interesting or to see if someone ends up taking you know some of these guys uh, private. Right. That and would be very interesting. Yeah, because I mean, some of these, I mean, some of the the SPAC companies from 2021 are down oh, like you know 90 percent crushed. And um, mm-hmm. 
And you, I, I mean, I'll be shocked if there's not multiple acquisitions between now and the end of the year of some of those guys because they're, they're I mean, they're, they're really, I mean, they're not, some of them aren't making money, but they've got a decent customer base. Like Moneyline has like, like 4 million customers and they're, they're worth just uh, a fraction of what they were worth, you know, um, a year and a half ago. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, good, that's less, good lessons for uh, companies that are on the way up now and when to go public, when not to go public and some good know, lessons those, those, out there. Those companies have stayed private. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different world uh, now if you want to go public and I think no one's, there won't be many IPOs anytime soon, but uh, clearly that's, it's a different world now. And I mean, that, and overall, as we talked about, this is not, not necessarily a bad thing. Anyway, that's, that wraps it up for today. Um, before we go, I have to, we have to remind you, two weeks, it's Lended Fintech USA, um, soon to be Fintech Nexus USA. You heard it here first, potentially. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that we're doing a rebrand in case you didn't know. We're doing a rebrand. It's actually happening next week. Um, and... We are happening in New York. There are still tickets available. It is going to be huge. There, um, we have we have broken records with number of sponsors. We're on track to break records for attendees. So, still tickets available. Lendit.com. Go check it out. Anyway, thank you, Kat. As always, it's so great to have you on. Thanks, Todd. And uh, we'll be back same time next week. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Kat. Thank See you. Ya. See ya.